Hello, Rules of Acquisition listeners. This is James, and I am going to review our podcast of Dramatis Personae for you today. It'll be fun! Um, I was going to do this thing where I talked like Avery Brooks uh, when he's excited, the way that Wade, the, the way that Wade gets really irritated at the way Avery Brooks enunciates when he's excited or when he's being wacky Avery Brooks. No, not looking as good enough as Avery Brooks when Avery Brooks does it. Uh, here's Romanus Personae, one of the most memorable episodes of DS9 ever. Oh. Um, oh yeah. I guess. Um, oh yeah. Um, this episode was just a big dumb mess. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, from Emissary to whatever happens at the end, <laughs> the greatest show that we're talking about at the moment. Yes. Uh, all right, yeah. I'm Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hello, guys and girls. And yeah, and girls, sure. I, yeah. And Hugh Crawford. Good day, my lady. <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> and the dudes. <laughs> the people listening on the podcast can't hear us, but we're all simultaneously tipping our fedoras as we introduce ourselves. <laughs> yes. I did do a little flourish with my hands that nobody saw. Yeah. That's a yeah. thing that just happened. I'm wiping Cheeto dust off my fingers right now. Right. <laughs> I'm uh, taking a sip of whiskey. I threw a part of my cape over my shoulder as I bowed. So, yeah. yeah. All right. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. Lovely to have everybody. We're talking about an episode called... Called Dramatis Persona, is that right? That is, yes, yes. Dramatis Personae. The most interesting bit of trivia I have for the whole day is it is one of eleven episodes of Star Trek with Latin titles. Wow. Oh, okay. That is that over the all the like the course of everything. And that is over all of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one aired on May thirtieth, nineteen ninety three. It is episode seventeen. The IMDb description is as follows: Out of nowhere. The entire station's command staff, save Odo, become power-hungry and vie to defeat each other by forming secret alliances and plotting assassinations. Needless to say, Odo tries to figure out how this mysterious behavior was influenced. So that's how it was influenced. Who... I think the Netflix description is something like Kira's pissed when some Valerians want to dock at the station. That is what it says. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a good place to start because it opens up with Kira being pissed at some aliens that uh, Uh. were allies to the Cardassians to the occupation. And it's almost like a misdirect because you think we're going to get into something interesting. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Right. I want to start just, let's just start with the title at this point again, because I want to, I harp on this sometimes. Does that mean anything Mm -hmm. because they're playing characters? Characters and not themselves? Is that what well, it's about? Dramatis Persona means the masks of drama. Well, yeah, like if you read a play, sometimes it's just a list of characters. Yeah, so it's the, I think it's supposed to go into that they have, uh, the whole episode, they have contracted some sort of uh, like telepathic virus. Right. Yeah. That makes them perform these roles. Between this and Babel, whenever you get a virus on Deep Space Nine, you know you're in it for a shitty episode. Yeah. Huh? Yes, definitely. At some point early on in the writer's room, they were like, 
let's really explore space viruses this season <laughs> and all of the various. Yeah, psychic one. <laughs> yeah. This one's a psychic one. It's not a medical one. We find that out. Yeah. Here's the thing about this episode. The one good thing it has going for it is that whenever we had the problem with Babel, James brought up during our Babel episode, the problem with that particular episode is it starts off with O'Brien and then he's taken out of commission. Mm-hmm. James suggested in our podcast where we cover Babel that if you have this sort of problem, you follow one character throughout and see how they deal with it. And that's the one good thing about this episode is that we're staying with what? Odo throughout it. That is, but we're not. Well, that is the <laughs> that was a, that was a problem. Of, I had made the same observation of what James said way back in Babel, and that's right. But they don't. No, they don't. They, they still, still don't. don't know. St- I mean, they make it mostly Odo, but they still go off for stupid shit that they oh, need. To- right. It's like they halfway took his advice on that one. Yeah. Right. I'll save the rest of my opinions for when we want to change things later. Okay, but. so they do stick with Odo, which does just keep the episode just descending into nonsense. Because it's not at any point clear that they get a telepathic virus until, like, I looked. It was like 17 minutes before the episode's over. Right. Well, they start off having normal issues about the... Kira's pissed because the Valerians are coming in, and they've got weapons-grade dolomite. Dolomite, <laughs> yes. They could potentially have weapons-grade dolomite, which is an actual <laughs> mineral on Earth, right? Oh, okay. I, yeah, no, I live in a state that's built on... Dolomite. They have dolomite cliffs in our like in our oh, okay. creek beds. And shit. I just thought somebody was going to start pipping out hoes and slapping <laughs> right. people around right. or something. <laughs> the dolomite, dolomite. Yeah, dolomite's a real thing. It's like a uh, limestone, but blacker. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's blacker. <laughs> I hate saying that, but, but uh, it's legitimately true. It checks out. Oh, I had friends in college that Dolomite was their favorite movie and they're upset that I can't remember any quotes right now, but I'd probably have to say the N-word a lot, so I'm glad I don't remember. Yeah, Dolomite's uh, pretty great. Is it the same actor as Disco Godfather? It sounds, I think maybe. Nevertheless, it's a weird thing that, that they have to have. That's the thing. Why couldn't it just be dilithium crystals? Because that's something that yeah, they had to reach into their nonsense word and come out with something that that exists. And like dilithium crystals, you use for warp drives. Dilemite, you make for weapons to blow a motherfucker up. Or you can also power all kinds. Of, anyway, all right. So they have a legitimate thing. It's like nuclear. It's like with Iran needing nuclear. They want to use nuclear reactors for their actual. To like, right, right. Yeah, it's plutonium. That are they actually making weapons from it, or do they just use it for electricity? And Kira is taking the hardline George Bush position, and Cisco has taken the, the John Kerry Obama position. Okay, okay. while I appreciate the Cisco's position, they didn't really make it that clear. They do in the very first scene, but then it just throws out the window because at some point I think he gets infected. No, it's not that clear in the very first scene. He just kind of like, she says, but we're not going to do that. And he's like, right, we're not going to do that. But he never gets into why they're not going to do that. That's my problem with this whole episode is they're not clear about anything. This episode's fucked. Right. This episode episode is fucked to me like i hate this episode yeah and i don't for the most part it's going to be even hard for me to like talk about it because it's dealt with so, there's so much nonsense i don't know when everybody got infected i don't know how everybody got infected i don't know if the whole space station got infected or just the main characters we follow right so when the bajoran guy's about to attack cisco with the sleep drug that he got from bashir i don't know if he was just like what the fuck kira told me to do this and i guess i better do it it's fucking crazy but i gotta follow orders <laughs> right. or is 
he playing a part in the psycho virus play too i don't know yeah there's a good episode lurking in here but they've got so much bad unclear shit piled on top of it i think the idea is everyone's infected except for odo yeah maybe quark because ferengis are for some reason impervious to most psychic stuff so quark's probably fine but quark's an asshole he doesn't care anyways but if i'm I'm right on this at no point do they show there's some things with soldiers but at no point do you see characters being like shit going on in the promenade that's out of control right right yeah and there's little moments where they get infected, I think, that they're trying to telegraph them in. Like, at one point, at the first scene where they're on the in ops, mm-hmm. and then Cisco's like, hey, O'Brien, you and Dax go check out the explosion or something, because basically... A Klingon ship comes through the wormhole that came was coming through, and there's shit going wrong, and then it blows up out of nowhere, and then they beam a Klingon on board who says, victory, and then immediately dies. And then Cisco says, hey... Dax and O'Brien, go check that out. And then O'Brien is getting off to go to the transporter, and then Dax is just sitting there with a dumbass look on her face. Yeah, because her role is to be an idiot, right? Yeah. Right, but then she's just like, hee-hee. Yeah. And it, may, it turned her into like a doddering old person somehow where she can't remember things, right. and she tells the same story over and over like an old person does. And she's wishy-washy in her alignment or assessments. Yeah, they do that later on, but I think that initial, like, clouded, hey, Dax, what, get your head out of your ass, go do what I told you to, mm-hmm. I think that's where the writer intended to signal that that's where she gets triggered by the psychic virus or whatever. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's the first indication. But it's it's half-assed done. That's my problem with this whole episode. Yeah. It's not clear enough, so it just looks like she's just like... An idiot. Yeah. There were a couple times where I had to rewind because I thought it was my fault that I wasn't, <laughs> that I, you know, <laughs> right. but can you imagine just like coming home and seeing this on syndication and just, you know, you go into the other room to get something to eat and then you come back in and this, this, you're like, what am I, what, this incoherent mess, yeah. you know what I mean? Where you don't have the ability to rewind. Well, it is absolutely incoherent. Right. And I like subtle things. Oh, so yeah. let's not pretend like it's smart. No, no. By being subtle. Okay. It's not subtle. It's just half-assed. There's a difference. Yeah. There's a no clear moment where the inf- – like, because even at the end, they have this manifestation of this purple haze. That's <laughs> all supposed in my to brain. Re- yeah. All in your brain. And, like, at no point – they could have showed the purple haze then, and I would have hated that too, but it would have at least given me some indication that someone was infected. Right. And, and then, like, because they're mostly arguing over something that was clearly there before the infection – the Valerian ship. Right. Well, the Valerians want to just pick up the Dolomite. The yeah. Klingons are totally separate. They just happen to be coming through the wormhole looking for this great weapon yeah. that's going to... But the, Dolo- but the, the Valerians Val- have Valerian their... ship is the impetus for all of the conflict between Kira. Oh, yeah. They're like the genital mutilation face aliens. They show them once and they're like, oh, God, don't show them anymore. They're disgusting. Yeah, that's, a, that's a mess. Uh, 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 like, yeah, they they <laughs> they either go really boring and just give you a couple of forehead ridges, extra yeah. forehead ridges, or they go full genitalia for face monsters. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. need to at some point decide. And luckily, they only show them on one com scene. Yeah. 
Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, get that out of here. But nonetheless, the Valerians are the instigation for every, all of this conflict between Kira and Cisco and really O'Brien. And I can't tell what is, because they have a legitimate disagreement about it in the first scene where it's not an infection. Right. And then at some point, their disagreement, I think it's supposed to be a mystery, but motherfucker, you have these characters who now start fighting in this pitched way over something that doesn't make any fucking sense and they're not acting like characters that we know. And since we barely know these characters to begin with right which is a reoccurring issue with us right since we don't know Dax that well and, and Bashir seems to change from episode to episode it's not like we know they're acting weird right except that they're obviously acting well, well yeah but it's yeah, but it, it's telegraphed weird yeah I don't know what the parameters are right of their weirdness I don't know well see what happens is is they go straight to 11 on the weirdness yes they don't ease you into it naturally where it seems seems like one plausible event follows another until yeah. before you know it, you're in the middle of their crazy paranoia. Nothing unfolds. It immediately mm, yeah. goes to crazy. Right. Right? Yeah. The one good scene in this whole episode, I thought, was the Quark and Odo scene. Before, when Odo's head goes all crazy and then... <laughs> when he claps. When yeah, when his head... <laughs> when he, oh, yeah. his face claps. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. But, all right, guys, did you notice the Bashir goof in this episode? Episode. Uh, no, I noticed the Cisco goof. Yeah, I thought Cisco was all goofy when yes. he was being possessed, but that's just Avery Brooks being Avery Brooks uh, and going to town. <laughs> Still, out of all of them going crazy, he, he was the most interesting to watch out of all of them. Yeah, I'll say that. I might disagree with everything his character did. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it just didn't make any sense, but it was still watchable. He was right. like, the, well, what, what was his role? Well, he was just like, I don't care. Do whatever, man. No, are we talking Cisco or are we talking Bashir? Avery Brooks. Cisco. I'm talking about Avery Brooks being watchable, even though it was a completely shit episode. He's still making interesting choices. Oh, yeah. 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 Because his whole thing is at first he's like anti-Kira. That's where he goes, like no Kira or whatever. Yeah. And then he's just building a clock. But they're like, hey, maybe we need to do do something and he's just what we're not doing anything just chill out or something but when avery brooks is playing eccentric he gets this big goofy smile on his face and he crosses his arms and he lays down and he's like yeah it's just yeah it's just very much <laughs> okay avery brooks being avery brooks weirdo all right well can i go over the bashir goof real quick i, I want to get to your bashir thing but i have a theory on why cisco's acting that way because it, it's the, what the whole episode feels like but get to the bashir thing okay i actually screamed after this happened i screamed at my computer <laughs> i was appalled that the writers let this slip so the bajoran who eventually tries to attach something to Cisco's neck mm-hmm. on the bridge or whatever that room is. Oh, ops. Ops. Ops, whatever. The rumpus room. The rumpus room. So he, uh, that Bajoran, the scene opens with him being treated by Dr. Bashir. Dr. Bashir says, take this and you'll have no problem getting to sleep in, in no time. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Bajoran says, oh, thank you. And then after he says, thank you, Odo walks into <laughs> sick bay, and the Bajoran and Odo pass each other and the Bajoran's out the door and Bashir goes, insomnia. I just gave him something for his insomnia. Like, completely breaking patient doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just told Odo why a guy was in sickbay. He just broke, completely broke doctor-patient confidentiality. Just like it was, it was nothing. The telepath virus. Right, it was before or after he was infected. <laughs> no, that, that's my whole thing. It had nothing to do with the story. It, it, he didn't have to say anything <laughs> at that point pertaining to the Bajoran. They told their part of the story 
story where it was important to see him leaving sickbay with some yeah. with that device. They didn't need to have Bashir explain to Odo why that guy was there in the first place. But I think that it was the bad writing of Bashir trying to explain to us mm-hmm. what the drug was for. Like, they got to tell you twice because, you know, right. like. Oh, my God. It was. I just yeah. shouted. He just broke <laughs> doctor patient confidentiality at the screen. I screen capped it and I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it up on our <laughs> Tumblr. Right. So when this drops, people can see what we're looking at. All right. No, I, I remember the scene and I remember like, oh, my God, like, I don't I don't think any of the characters of the virus was too like I understand Kara and I understand O'Brien, I guess. And then he's like the militaristic toady. No. OK, wait a minute. Here's a guy who's been working a transporter. Yeah, I know. But like, for, oh, yeah. uh, and all of a sudden he's like Rommel, you know. OK, so I think that you're making like a flaw that I think is a flaw in the script. Yeah, I think you're presuming that the characters that they presume would somehow reflect who they are as people. That was my main my main beef with this. Right. Well, the whole idea is that it's an ancient weapon from some planet in the Gamma Quadrant that the Klingons went into and stole this thing from. Mm-hmm. So it's replaying this ancient struggle from some planet in the Gamma Quadrant. Yes, that died through this power struggle. Right, but then if you're going to do that, make that shit about the ancient planet. All it does is just make people act like assholes. That's what I was... Like they're, That's like them half-assing it. Right. Like they're playing these ancient characters, but they know everybody by name, and they don't... It's not... They're, they think they're regular people. But like, they made it a Bajoran Starfleet thing. Don't. Yeah, that would have been better if they were actually like, no, this is about the freedom of the Tor Vols and like nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Right. Instead, it's about Bajoran and Starfleet issues. So it's about the same sort of drama that's been unfolding over the whole season. And I think think it's supposed to give you the viewer some sort of idea that all of this Bajor- like what happens to episodes from now spoiler alert is that the idea that all of this relationship between Bajor and Starfleet gets upended because of cultural issues it's supposed to make you think that that's happening but oh oh no it's just a space virus playing with everybody yeah but none of it makes sense literally it, none of it makes any in the internal logic of the virus it doesn't make sense right yeah. no why is Cisco bored and lazy and building a clock. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, why are some people so in character, like Kira, who is to some degree power-hungry and singularly focused, and that's her character, but then there's characters like Bashir, who's kind of like a like a shy teddy bear <laughs> playing, like, a Klingon type, and, and even Bashir is so different to the point where Odo has a, like, Bashir's never been this way before. It's like a hint, so I don't understand. Are you supposed, are they adopting a totally alien personality? Right. Or are are their personalities conforming to some role? Did the virus pick their role out based on their personality? Right, right. Maybe sometimes and sometimes not. Yeah, it's half-assed. Yeah. It was so wildly inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. And and it's not interesting enough to figure it out. Yeah. By the way, it, it actually does end with the line, now everything is back to normal. It, it's yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they do that again with, like, well, horses will ride? Yeah. Glad that's back to normal. Yeah, so again, we get that. <sighs> so so I, I got a lot to talk about when we talk about fixing it but i want to go back to the odo quirk scene well quirk is like kind of a kinky guy he's like oh pain is pleasure mm-hmm. but not like he's like oh these klingons came in and fucked things yeah. up but he gets a little bit uh bdsm a little bit which was fine that's that makes sense for quirk well because they're having rough sex in the, in the hollow suites in the hollow suites yeah. yeah but then at one point i don't know like started getting a little bit too Jewish stereotype for me. It started to get a little bit uncomfortable. Like what with what? Because, oh, oh, it's it's correct. Something to be so blessed 
and it felt like oh, yeah. it felt like he was a little bit uh, Hasidic Jewish kind of. St- and then I was like, oh, it's easy to go that with the Ferengi because they're so which is it's not a good way. Yeah. It's just like, dude, don't don't try to make that correlation at all because it's just yeah. that's just wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think that if this was the 1950s, the Ferengis would be portrayed in more of a ham-fisted yeah that way. Yeah, right. I've heard that complaint before from. But it's like, I think they do a good job of not doing that because, come on. There were a few things in this episode where they're talking about quirk and money where it started to get, hey, come on, guys, you've skirted the line pretty well so far. Like, quirk is just a great, great character. And it's like, whoa, maybe it was me being a little too sensitive, too. But I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa come on, guys, don't do not do this. Yeah. And then I also did the thing where Kira's attempt to recruit Dax was a little sapphic. Oh, yeah. She's trying to do that to everybody. And then Odo's drug into that. Because when she comes to Odo after she's, like, totally hitting on him. Yeah. And he's like, what? What? And she talks in a baby voice when she's trying to seduce him. She's like, hey, little Odo, what's going on? And it's like, oh, don't do that. Yes. And Odo's like, what? Uh." Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, right. that was kind everything of a, about this. Ep- the ball just bounced the wrong way at every point in this. That episode. was an unfortunate choice. The only thing is I can say good is that that clock is really pretty, and we really do see it through the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, through the rest of the show. I was about to say, yeah, the clock comes back throughout the series, right? Yeah, they never explain. The clock is his version of Picard's flute. Yeah, right. whenever Picard is knocked out on the bridge and he's out for like two minutes, but he ends up. Spending Spending 20 yeah. years or like 40 years in his mind. That's a comparable episode, right? This, uh, the inner light and this episode, they're comparable in quality. <laughs> what? No, You're going to piss the people off, James. I, no, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that everybody thinks it. No, I'm, I'm, that uh, yes. James's opinions do not reflect those of the rest of this podcast. No, no. James actually <laughs> believes that the inner light is probably one of the best Star Trek episodes ever. I put it up there with. Balance of terror and right across. I I think across all of them. I think yeah, it's one of the best all time Star Trek stories. Yeah. So yeah, this one ain't that. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh my god. Right. Okay, so like everything is just bouncing the wrong way. But I'm going to point out to say that in researching trivia for this episode, I found out upon a quote where Iris Stephen Bear, who a few episodes ago I said I think is secretly a hack, and I'm going to find evidence to support it, says this is his favorite episode from this season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just whoa! You, you were smiling when you saw that, like that fucking asshole. <laughs> I was like, evidence. <laughs> he believes it was like a third season episode where he had the or nerve to do it in the first season. Nerve, yeah, he's got nerve, all right. Um, anybody else would say you don't want to mess up your characters like that on a first season show. But we had the. Like, it makes it sound like he's got the balls to do it. And he loves seeing Kira come on to Dax. I don't care if it's third or first or third season. People are going to be interested. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. That's our showrunner. There is a good episode hiding in here, but man, he's full of shit. I'm really, I'm really waiting for you to get to that because I really don't see it. And I want to, I want to hear that. But like, I just wanted to throw it there. I said a couple of episodes. We're going to have an episode and I'm going to look prescient by calling him a hack. (laughs) Uh, I think he's a good hack. He's obviously one of the best Star Trek writers in that pool. He's in that. Yeah, pool. yeah. We haven't seen it, and I think but we that haven't he, seen that yet. But he's like the guy behind the Ferengi. Which he's started. the guy behind the Ferengi. He wrote, which I wouldn't be bragging about. <laughs> if Armin Shimmerin wasn't such a great performer, then we might not have such a high opinion of the Ferengi in general. Yeah, that's true. I mean, no, like Ronald D. Moore gets to say that he created how Klingons work. 
Uh, right. That was his sort of thing on on Next Generation and then on this show. Other writers get to say they own things. Yeah. He yeah, gets to own. I mean, yeah, okay. Well, Ronald D. Moore wins in that contest easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he gets to own Ferengi, and I'm like, that's interesting because they're such a big part of the show. But I don't think that they're deftly handled all the time. No, and Armin Sherman is just is just a joy of an actor, right? And your theory was also that Ira Stephen Bear might be like a bit of a libertarian objectivist. Yes, yes. Right. Which, yeah, I, I get some. Yeah, I don't want to say Randian sort of vibes, but definitely like a uh, you know like the that sort of leather jacket. Like, you know, like Penn and Teller people. Right, like, right. Those kind to be of fair, like. Ayn Rand would have loved the Ferengi. We'll say that. Much. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is true. Ayn Rand would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get that vibe from him, and it is totally unfounded. It is me just looking <laughs> at the work and, and seeing what he looks like and seeing his work and sort of making that assumption. But it could be, I could be totally wrong on that. Sure, sure. He's got a blue, he's got a blue goatee, and he created the Ferengi. <laughs> That's just me so, making like, a judgment on somebody's appearance. Just, you know. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, you might not be wrong there. You want to defend yourself, yeah. Iris Stephen Bear? Come on the show. Come on our show. I, I would actually love to talk to you. Like, but, yeah. You're awesome. I just think you're a hack. So. That's my big fear that anybody, that actually we, we get the attention of anybody and like we have to talk to <laughs> The them. humbling interview we have with Nana Visitor at some point. Yeah. She lives in New York. I could run across her. She's like, oh, you're the asshole that keeps talking yeah. shit about my acting. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching something on the internet about Nana Visitor, and she has a uh, a crew of, uh, she's got sort of a very loyal fan base of uh, older LGBT ladies. Makes sense. Yeah, I think she's sort of an icon to that. And they sort of travel like um, convention to convention that she's in. Huh. She has dinner with them and stuff like that. She's she's friends with them, you know. Hey, they're probably like awesome s- people. I'd be friends with them. Yeah, they're all like seven ladies. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, I, and after I watched that, I was like. I don't want to say bad things about Nana Visitor anymore. <laughs> exactly. I, I found her on Twitter. Like, oh, I, uh, she seems cool. I probably like her. It's like, oh, yeah. I got to stop looking into this because, I don't know, because it makes me feel bad about talking shit and about her. And she really is. She really is a better actress later in the show. Oh, she totally she really is. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, it's not that I was scared of them, but I, I Those definitely Those ladies like, totally have your home address, James. They're just sitting out in a car. They seemed like nice ladies, and I didn't want to hurt them. Right? You know, yeah, like, yeah, I don't. Want not to... that my opinion affects them at all. <laughs> you know, like not... I would love to be able to have the station to actually hurt these people's feelings. Right? <laughs> yes, right. of course. But then I wouldn't want to do it once I had that power. Exactly. So, it seems like we want to fix this episode. All right. Yeah. Does anybody have anything they do to fix this one? All right. Mm-hmm. I probably have the least amount of things to fix, so I'll go first real quick. I would just, one minor, because I think this is such a mess, and we've just covered mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff. One of the things that I would like it to have actually done is to move the ball down the field a little bit and maybe expose some chinks in the armor within their organization, where like after all this is resolved, <laughs> they actually have a scene. Instead of saying, well, mm-hmm. I, you know, everything's back to normal, they're like, whoa, we've got to deal with the fact that maybe this relationship between Bajor and the provisional government and the Federation has some more things to work out for us to fully trust each other and work. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't that seem like a natural? No. Yeah, yeah no, that would be yeah, good. Yeah, like the, I, I'm not, not literally this, but like in shows about couples, like about marriages and stuff, there's always that episode where the couple realizes something about their relationship that scares them. And the show will traditionally end with a shot of them both sitting on the edge of the bed. And they're like, whoa, we've got a lot to 
uh, you know, <laughs> just looking at each other in silence. Yeah. Are we up to unpacking all of this bullshit? Like that kind of stuff, that kind of, and the camera pulls away and then it fades to black. Right. And then the next episode's about the memo to shovel out of the hole. But like, You're right. That, yeah, like, holy shit. Learning to trust each other again, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the only thing I would have done is just to have this episode actually mean something. I mean, if you're going to throw this this kind of stuff out there, you should actually, actually have consequences. Yeah, and they do. I got the feeling that they pussied out of it because they know, like, two episodes from now, they're doing that. You know, it starts becoming about the religion and the issues on the ship and all the stuff about religion. And it's dealt with well. It's heavy. It's heavy-duty stuff. So, but they just wanted to play around with it to get their silly telepath virus story out so they didn't want to do anything real right fuck fuck this episode yeah you're right though that would have been nice like and i think they tried to do that with the last scene with i think i should apologize for overthrowing your command i'm just like oh that wasn't you don't worry about it (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. all right so do you you have anything james the only thing that i could think of Mm -hmm. and this is like as the first seed of an idea. The only thing I can think of to fix the story is if you actually like spent time, 15, 20 minutes watching the virus. I actually think I said this with Babel too, is watching the virus develop in a person. Yeah. Like it just hits Kira or, or, or something like that. And then she's reacting in this crazy, irrational way to the normal events of the ship. And then over the course of it, Cisco starts responding back to her irrationally, but make these beats very clear that when she breaks from rationality and where he breaks from rationality and also start making it clear that they're arguing about more esoteric things than what than the Valerian ship. Right. Like that's really never made clear that it seems like if this was some sort of telepath virus from some long dead civilization that they would be arguing about shit from that civilization. Yeah. Why that, would the prone why would the nouns change? Right, right. That's my whole yeah, that's my biggest yeah. thing. Okay. So if you want to get into that, yeah. It's an arc it's not just it's not like a virus. it's an archive of this ancient society. Okay. Mm-hmm. So but just let me you just take it over. go take back it over. to the very beginning, like what we were talking about before, like, oh, stick with one character, they stick with Odo, this but they don't stick with Odo enough. It starts off not with Odo, it starts off with Valerians and Kira disagreeing. And then mm-hmm. what you do is you make it an Odo episode. You start with Odo. You do all the stuff with the Valerians and all and but the Cisco and Kira conflicts. But you just follow Odo the whole time through. You see, you have this stuff happening in the background where he's making his rounds or something or he has, he's an ops. You have that stuff happening. And then instead of the way people are acting weird and stuff, you can do that and We'd say they do everything half assed. Everything's not, nothing is clear. Okay, if you're going to go that way, mm-hmm. go fucking full Twin Peaks with this episode. Where everybody's acting that way, but on the peripheral of the one character we're focusing right. on. Right. Yeah. So you, yeah, you have that going, and Odo's going around. People are acting a little bit funny. It's in the background, but you know that there's this conflict with the Valerians. You go through, you have Odo, you follow him back up, and the way that people are acting. By the end of it, where they're like getting full paranoia against each other, but they're still using everybody's names. You get to that point by the time that Odo has the Odo and Quark scene and then Odo goes and then his face does a butt flap or whatever. And he goes unconscious. You have everybody acting kind of weird up until that point. He goes unconscious. Then you have a split. He's been unconscious for hours then you go full fucking reversal where everybody has stopped using their own names. They're call it referring to each other in these ancient alien names, and you're going all weird. 
where they're just playing characters instead of themselves. And he has to figure out that's when you go full Twin Peaks and where you don't know what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. And then he has to figure out that it's this ancient alien thing. Yeah, that would have been a much better story. At that point, they're fully reenacting this ancient history of these aliens. And at Mm -hmm. that point, you have him solve it from that point on. I don't know. I think that would be more interesting. I totally agree. I think, yeah, that would work. Yeah, that's actually, the minute you find out at some sort of telepathic archive, that makes a lot more sense than what happened in this episode. Right, because you have everybody acting weird, but they're acting so weird, obviously, they're acting crazy to each other. And if you have Odo going through his own existence where he's grounded and you have this stuff going on behind him, you have him looking around, it's like, what is, what's going on? Okay, well, I'm just going to go, hey, hey, I've got my routines to go through. He's doing that, and that's in the background. And then suddenly you, you flip it, and you make it where he's been unconscious for a while, and the whole station's gone to shit, like they've redecorated even or something, and they're playing out this ancient thing. So more than just Cisco is channeling some sort of ancient thing, like they're all they're redecorating the whole place in like ancient. Yeah. Or, you know, or just things have fallen apart because they're fighting each other so that the factions between Kira versus Cisco Mm -hmm. have like where the shit's already like blown up. So everything's already gone to shit. So they're fighting. There's like phasers shooting around. And Oda's like, what the hell's going on? It's like a war zone when he wakes up. Nobody is referring to them, each other by their own names or calling them by these weird alien names. Or talking about Starfleet or Bajor. Right. Because I actually think that that's the biggest problem with this episode is that the faction of the telepath disease also follows the schism in the actual Deep Space Nine itself with Bajor and Starfleet. Like, I don't know if I'm watching Starfleet issues shoes and be and i think that they thought that was cool i get that but it's not i'm just fucking confused they overestimated how interesting their premise was they thought <laughs> they actually I, yeah. you could tell that they're very proud of themselves they thought oh the audience is just gonna love to see how these alliances form <laughs> you know what i mean but why like it's just like with mirror episodes they're fun to visit but you don't want to live there like why would you want this plot to have any sort of stakes like no one really gives a shit everybody's just waiting for every Everybody to go back to normal. It's not fun to watch this. I don't get it. I don't know if people are supposed. For me, at least, are people supposed to enjoy watching these characters act mildly different than they already do, mm. and fighting with one another with all of this tension that makes no sense? It just seems like nonsense that you're just steadily waiting for the hour to be over so that right, it's all yeah. over. I went back to like, rewatch this and refresh myself, and I couldn't get through it again. I was like, oh yeah, okay. I know what happens. I mean, it's just boring and uninteresting. And I don't think that the premise, I'm not saying that premise couldn't be interesting, but the idea of the premise as they conceived the whole script is absolutely uninteresting. What's uninteresting is the characterization. That's the problem is that we're watching characters that we have just got to know and we like act completely different and, and, and unwatchable almost. Yeah. You switch it over, just make them completely different characters. And then you have one of them slip in in a moment of weakness. Their personality starts to their real personality starts to come back and they have to reach out for Odo. Like, Odo, I'm scared. Ah. Help us. Because he's the only one not affected. Oh, yeah. And you just, yeah, you just put him in a totally alien situation where he has to figure out clues together because he's a great detective and everything. Yeah. And Quark probably is also not affected because Ferengis are impervious to most psychic stuff. So they have... Dude, 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 just start the episode when he wakes up from the getting bonked and getting knocked out. Yeah, you could do that too. Then it totally is a detective episode. 
episode. Then, like, you're in totally fucking la-la crazy world, and everybody's acting crazy. Yeah. And you have to sort of piece it together afterwards. Yeah. To where, like, you're piecing it together with Oda. Mm-hmm. Guys, okay, I just, where do you guys think? Okay. Okay, this one on IMDb, oh. it has 553 votes. 553 votes. Okay. And just for your reference, last week, The Forsaken had uh, 546 <laughs> votes, okay? People love this episode, don't they? <laughs> and so 553, this is just a little bit more. Where do you think this is ranks? I don't know. Uh, They're like, oh, Iris Stephen Bear loves it. No. Yeah, he, he's right. It is a great episode. I'm still going to guess it's under six. Wade, do you care to guess? I'm going to say it's a 6.7. It's a 7.0. Fuck those people. <laughs> Fuck you, Star Trek fan base. Deep Space Nine fan base. I think we'll have to lead in on that on the uh, theme song for this week, won't we? <laughs> right. Oh, everybody seems to think this is a great episode. Mm, all right. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is a highly rated episode. I mean, the Forsaken. Oh, the Forsaken was the Loxwana Troy episode. Yeah. It's more popular than yeah, that. that was de- I mean, this is... There are definitely a lot worse episodes in this one. Okay, it's just, okay. You totally have to do a second opinion. Read some of the high high ranks to me real quick. All right. Well, we can. This is still so much better than Move Along Home. It's, see, I, I don't. I think it's I, better than. I don't know. Bad, you think it's better. Because it's at least enjoyable to see how bad Move Along Home is for you. <sighs> yeah, this episode's fucking just a loser. I mean. Like, the other one was batshit crazy. This is just boring. See, my thing is this one is not the worst. It's just poorly executed. It is poorly executed. It's like it's half-assed. All right. I got a review here. Okay. Um, this one was uh, made on December 15th, 2014. The author, the IMDb name is Plankton Rules. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, the title of this review is, I prefer this version of the crew. <laughs> one of the best of the original Star Trek episodes was a mirror mirror. It was a wonderful change of pace to have a different sort of ship in this alternate universe. One that wasn't nearly so noble and which was based not on loyalty and honor, but on greed and scheming. Here with Dramatis Personae, the same sort of dynamic is occurring on Deep Space Nine. After the Cleons find some strange energy spheres, the crew begin behaving weirdly. Suddenly, they become paranoid and were embroiled in a power struggle, one that resulted in the Klingons killing each other off. Now, after coming into contact with one of the Klingons, the humanoids, not including Odo, all become just like the Klingons, and they have alliances led by Kira as well as Sisko, and appear that soon they'll be embroiled in their own mutiny. Can the ship survive, and can Odo get everything back to normal? Considering... This, this is the closing thought. Uh, I like how for some reason... This, this per- person likes it everybody's assholes and doesn't get along I, well this person found the need to have their review is a summary of what happened which is not a review no and you get better mirror episodes later in deep space nine yes you do this is not one of them. his or her closing statement is considering how loyal and boring the crew usually acted on deep space nine it was a great breath of fresh air seeing them all behave like evil jerks exclamation marks all in all a nice change of pace and a surprisingly fun episode. So, yeah, I guess the people... Oh, man. Uh, am I just an asshole? Like, I don't know. Like, do I... <laughs> like, I, I sometimes think that there's Star Trek episodes not made for me. And maybe this is one of them. Well, this is clearly one. Yeah, like, this was not made for me. I don't... Yeah. This was just dumb. Yeah, I think it could have been... I think it was just like... It was just half ass is the way I see it. Do you know what Deep Space Nine episodes I like? Next week. 
Uh, well, everybody <laughs> likes duet. <laughs> yes, that's good. Deep Space Nine. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any? Uh... I guess we should say that. I guess we should say that next week we're going to unpack some good stuff. Like, yeah, we've been saying for the last three weeks we've got a great one coming up two weeks from now. And I watched it. I watched it this week, and it is good. It's really, really good. All right. Well, we're good. We're due. Yes, we are. It's been a while. Um, yeah, but still, these these last few not great ones are still not as bad as they have been. I still stand by that. Well, no, we liked Forsaken. Yeah, We're on a every other one pattern where we liked yeah. last week. We don't like this week. It hasn't been very consistent. Yeah, I think we can look forward. We got two more episodes left in this season. So we have Duet and whatever the fuck the last one is listen to the pro something i don't know in the name of the prophets i think right right that's when we get nurse ratchet back we get louise fletcher that's when we get nurse ratchet first time yeah like it's good stuff and it's back to about ideas and parallels to real life so i think we have two good episodes and then like so we can look back that probably you're right move along home is going to be the bottom level of the season but I think this is right with Babel. This and Babel are like code number two, number twos in the worst. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. These two are tied at the bottom, right? They learn a little. See, yeah. Well, our problem with Babel was that it should have probably stayed with O'Brien the whole time instead of jumping around. Mm -hmm. This one does a slightly better job. At, slightly better. Slightly but better. they still jump around too much because they're establishing the Kira Cisco combat thing. So there's mm -hmm. weird scenes where it's just them and Oda's not anywhere. Yeah. It's. And then. It's Avery Brooks being his Avery Brooks self. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the writer for this, the one last thing I will say, the writer for this episode was a Star Trek writer. He was mostly wrote for Voyager and then Next Generation. But he also wrote a movie called Hiding Out, which was a John Cryer movie I must have watched a hundred times when I was a kid. <laughs> John Cryer is a Wall Street broker who murders a guy and goes and hides in high school. Never heard of it. I watched it. I don't know. I think it must have just been on HBO a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Because I watched it like a ton. It's one of those basic cable classics kind of Yeah, movie. Annabeth Gish was in it, and uh, John Spencer from West Wing was in it. <laughs> from Blues Explosion? John Spencer from the West Wing Blues Explosion was in it. <laughs> and uh, it's great. I don't know if it's great. I fondly remember it. Right, right. And he wrote that episode, or he wrote that okay. movie, so that's it. Well, yeah, we'll say it's great, because a lot of, you know, Deep Space Nine, I fondly remember <laughs> from that time <laughs> until you rewatch it <laughs> yeah. yeah and then i'd love a lot of it too but yes <laughs> all right i think i think that's a good place to uh wrap it up probably we've got a little bit of nostalgia but you know what i honestly love some of this show i'm not afraid to say it yep yep me too i will gush over it uh and over the next couple weeks i'll say good things all right all right all right yes that's it three to beam out Boom. Please follow us on Twitter. Right, so now I'm doing the outro part. What to say about Dramatis Personae or our podcast on the Dramatis Personae. I guess that it's sort of fun going back and listening to this. I, uh, As I was listening to this podcast, I likened it to a relationship. Like when you start in a relationship, obviously you're, you're new and excited. All of the things that irritate you about your new partner is kind of idiosyncratic maybe or like a you problem or just um it's like a series of little quirks or or comment worthy irritations um that sort of arise you're happy you, you know you like the person you're you're having a good time and you're excited you know to have this possibility for a relationship 
but you don't like the way they tell this kind of joke or, you know, they really like hoop a stank or something that's just like a, a minor irritation. And it's just something that's just kind of like not cool. And you might like talk to your friends and bitch about it while you're dating her. But you still, you know, it's nice to have a girlfriend and, and, and you're getting along okay. And I feel like that's probably where we were in the first season of the podcast. There was, we knew that, hey, there's better episodes to go. We've watched this before. You know, we remember stuff. We were watching it really intensely. But you know that most of our problems with it are, are minor or, or idiosyncratic uh, Wade hates British actors stealing American roles. I hate episodes that are like, ooh, everybody swaps personalities, which this is that. You know, everybody's acting out of character because of some sort of brain virus or some shit shenanigans. I hate those kinds of episodes. It's fun to watch these random grab bags of critiques that we have. And, you know, it's kind of fun. But just like in a relationship, as you go on and as you sort of go through the years together... The problems that you have with your your spouse starts being like systematic. Like, I don't like whole elements of her as a per or your partner. I don't projecting onto a woman because that's the kind of partnerships I've had. But you know that your your partner starts to have this personality that you just disagree with. It becomes like much more of a existential issue. Like I, you know, like it's not just like, I hope they correct this problem, but I don't like this about this person. And I don't think they're going to change enough to, to make me fine with it. That's where I think like we end up where it, you know, here it's, I don't like this scene or I don't like this scene or I, you know, they didn't think this through or they're just getting their shit together. They'll get better. And then like season six, that's when I was like, God damn it. These problems are, these are, these are the kinds of problems they have. And so you start seeing them more. So you start building a case and then it starts being like a, like a firm, hard case and it stops being just disagreements over style. Uh, it's not about Hoobastank anymore. You know, your spouse's like, your partner's like of Hoobastank might be like the best thing, the best thing about her at this point because you're so fundamentally at odds with who who that person is or how she's or they are living their life. I think that's what we're seeing. And so when you see the early days, even the irritation seems like the dawn of an early romance. And so it's not just that I wouldn't be making these points. Like, like if we were to, if we were the three of us to get together and watch Dramatis Personae again, would these be the same points that I'd make about the show now? Probably not. These were irritations early on and probably more of a reflection of my, who I was as a person, as opposed to as that goes on, you get a more fundamental structural problem with the relationship, and in this case, my relationship with DS9, it becomes a deeper kind of distrust or irritation. And, and it's kind of fun to watch us go through those stages. It's kind of interesting. Um, I will, I'll shout out to another podcast, uh, if you're like into these hypercritical shows and are politically left in any way. There's a show I discovered called The West Wing Thing. The West Wing's a show that I watched a lot in my younger, misspent youth and misfit adulthood, early adulthood, and, and liked for the same reason a lot of American libs like the show, because it caters to us as being smart and cool and having all the answers. But there's a podcast that comes on now called The, the West Wing Thing, done by Dave Anthony and uh, Joel Olson, who's big screenwriters in Hollywood who hate the show um, from a structural and a, from a, from a screenwriting and from like a, you know, sort of a political perspective. 
And so it's fun watching that podcast is sort of, if you listen to that, if you like the sort of deconstruction that I and Hugh and Wade, Wade too, uh, did of the show as it went along, we were all just disenchanted by huge chunks of, of, of the show as it went on, of Deep Space Nine as it goes along. Watching these guys with the West Wing, it's a much more, like, that's sort of like the elevated professional level of, of I think, what we did. So if you liked that, I would go watch that show. But listening to that show... They start out with a much more structural understanding, so it's a little bit less nitpicky than I think we were then. Like they start off less hopeful than we do, but I think that that's a you should listen to that because it's an interesting, especially if you've been forced to watch West Wing or or something, or even maybe like West Wing. Uh, check it out because um, it's it's pretty interesting, and I think that they do a sort of an elevated version of what we're we did on this what we ended up doing on this podcast Dramaster Son is a boring episode man god damn what a dumb 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 episode and I think we did okay because we were like had the exuberance of youth on this podcast we were still kind of happy to be doing this the the miles of battle between me and Wade didn't seem as as labored and and intractable as I think it probably seemed in the last seasons with us it's a fun show or I don't know we were a fun podcast back then so sweet anyway thank you for listening and um next week i believe it's duet and that might be that's kind of like a doozy for someone who's not me so i'm glad i don't have to do all of the reverential work for that episode but it is you know one of the best episodes of the show ever so also you got a lot to live up to i think it's you you can turn this off now we believe in you <laughs>